When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. That's right. Purple Daily on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North app and streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Rami Makloff in for Matthew Collar one more time. And I am alongside Courtney Cronin, a.k.a. Courtney R. Draft Scout for today's show. And uh, jam-packed the next two hours, including later this hour at about 2.30, a visit from Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com. He's one of the, uh, he's one of the captains on the SS Reckless Speculation. <laughs> For sure. So I'm looking he's forward. Good, he's good at fitting the whole picture together and making you see why it would work. Absolutely. So we're going to recklessly speculate with him in mass coming up at about 2.30. But uh, yesterday, Courtney, as we were getting off the air, the Vikings were awarded three compensatory picks, one in the third round and uh, two in the seventh round, 41st. 249th and 200 and excuse me 105th 249th and 253rd overall for those who don't understand quite how it works or what compensatory picks are can you explain that to us before we get into your yeah. drafting so, scouting expertise so basically it comes those figures are determined as you saw the NFL sent out all of the compensatory picks mm-hmm. yesterday um it's based on who leaves your team in free agency and who you get in return. So for the 2019 free agency, you go back a year, the picks that counted towards that were obviously Sheldon Richardson. Um I think Trevor Simeon was in there, Tom Compton as well, and then the who the Vikings that's who the Vikings lost and then who they got in free agency was Shamar Stefan. Um so it balances out that way so they have one third rounder and two seventh rounders. Um, that third round pick is huge for where they got it. You know, it's a just yeah, over absolutely. the top, just outside of the top 100. Um, and I believe they pick at 89, you know, before that. So, I mean, they are in a very good spot here, which is why I thought we should draft scout a little bit, which I love that we like have come up with this. Is that a noun? Draft scouting is a noun. Is it a verb, Jonathan? I mean, you're the resident draft scout expert. Draft I think sim? it, I think it works as both. Yeah, I think it's. Well, not draft sim, draft scouting. We create oh, we created yeah. our own word here on Purple Daily. I think it can be. I think it can be a noun and a verb. You know, to draft scout. Yes. And then draft scouting. Yes. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah, both. it's a thing. I mean, so yeah, it's it's definitely. Um, they have picks at eighty nine and one hundred five in the third round. So it's just about you know, fifteen pick difference. That's huge for this team. 
um, especially when you get into the second and third round and you're wondering, hmm, is this a time to use a quarterback, uh, use a pick on a quarterback? Because you might not know, you know, where things stand with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings long term because it just doesn't feel like at least going into free agency, like he's going to sign an extension and before has, we get to he the He has new no reason year. to. He has no exactly. no impetus to. Just like we talked about last year, uh, last yesterday on the show. Um, so you have to start thinking, you know, second, you know, what's, what what do you do next? What's right. your what's your backup option there? And obviously you need a backup quarterback, but or- also projecting out beyond that. You know, if Kirk decides he wants to test free agency in 2021 or he wants to move on, then have somebody waiting in their wings that you actually really like, not a fourth rounder or even a fifth rounder. No slight on that. Obviously, Kirk was a fourth rounder and he made his way up to being a starter. But right. have have a viable option that you could potentially see competing for a job beyond the 2020 season. And that 105th overall pick, the compensatory pick they got in the third round, that's that's another asset in the draft. Whether it makes other picks expendable enough, should they want to trade up and get a quarterback, or whatever the reason might be that they want to trade up, or if they just want to trade that one hundred fifth overall pick, that's another asset that they have mm-hmm. come draft day. If if they do want to move up or down in the draft, they now have one more thing that's that's attractive and valuable to other football teams. So with this news of the compensatory pick changing the complexion of the draft for the Vikings and the rest of the NFL, you thought it would be a good time, Courtney, yes. for us to uh, run some draft sims. I did. I did. And I'm actually working on mine as we speak. You did. You went above and beyond, yeah, Rami. You, you did a seventh round and draft I, sim. I have a draft sim confession to make here. This I know, is your first one? I know that this is regular practice on Purple Daily. <laughs> it's my first one. This, okay. is, my, this is my first How dive do you feel into the draft it? sim waters. So I did two of them. Okay. And I did the full seven rounds. You said let's do three rounds. I thought if I'm going to dive in, I'm going to dive in. Oh, and you I'm went gonna... Randy Mock 4.0 on Yeah, I went full seven round draft sim. <laughs> do we have a bump for that? <laughs> we need one. And <laughs> need you to go get one. <laughs> after the first one, I was like, ah, I'm not really. I it's wasn't... pretty addictive. I do one every single day, except I, was... I haven't done mine yet. I wasn't pleased with my performance after the first one. So I I, I tiled myself off and, and jumped right back into the draft sim waters and uh i will share both of them with you if if you guys uh if you guys are interested sure if that's i think you're interested i in think doing. that um as i draft sim can we get some music yeah, going i was gonna for say don't, don't we need to have music for draft sims yeah and if you want to do your own and treat them in at score north we will uh read some of those i on do i will well. say for anybody listening who tweets them regularly at matthew collar and myself we love looking over them and we'll give you a grade um i think people collar, and you probably get the same for some reason, his come across my timeline. He is inundated with drafts. Oh yeah, I would have. Been, I would get annoyed if that many drafts. I love it. I think came that across my timeline. It's it's a fun time to be doing this, and since it is kind of that weird period where you're scrapping for, you know, well, what do you talk about until they actually start doing things and making moves in free agency? Do a draft sim. Yeah, fills Wake the up time. Draft sim. That's sports, what I do. Sports. Yes. Sportsy sports. All okay. right. So how do we usually do this? So go through all of your go, go through. Let's just do the, the first four picks because right. they've got four in the first three rounds, and then at the end of it, if there's anything you really like about your seven round draft sim, then you can go and tell us about that. But I'm finishing mine up right now. All right. So I'll start while you finish yours up, and you guys tell me what you okay. think. Again, this was the first one, and I wasn't pleased with my performance in the first one. I would have fired myself <laughs> if I was the owner and my GM came to me with this draft. So with the first pick. Number 25, I took uh, 
I go based on on need and best on the board, like a combination of the two. And obviously, offensive line is a need. Makai Becton, offensive tackle from Louisville, was the best player on the board. He fell to 25. Yeah, all the way to 25. So I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. Now, with the second pick, number 58, went ahead and, as you talked about, Courtney, got the quarterback of the future in Jalen Hurts Mm -hmm. out of Oklahoma. Like that pick, but I'll tell you why I like my next draft even better. Third pick, number 89, I took running back Cam Akers out of Florida State. I Most explosive high school football player I've ever covered. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? From Clinton, Mississippi. The best high school football player I've ever witnessed with my two Does eyes. Does he have a little Dalvin Cook in him? I'm not just saying yes. that because of the Florida State. I watched some yes. of his highlight reels. I read some of the scouting reports. That's how deep I went. Just very, you know, big, same upper body build. I mean, he is a hoss. And, I mean, I remember Love watching him. So he was an eighth grader. You got to play the football drop after somebody says Haas, Jonathan. <laughs> got that readily available for us? No. Football. There we go. There we go. Um, when, he, when I got down to Mississippi in 2013, he was an eighth grader. And um, he was already practicing up with the varsity team. So as a, ninth, as a ninth grader, when there was an injury to the quarterback, he took over on varsity, I think, three or four games into the season. And um, they had him playing quarterback. He was an option quarterback in high school. They had him playing running back, receiver. He'd you know, play a little linebacker. I mean, the kid never went out of the game. Um, and if you're thinking that they're going to move on from Dalvin Cook you know, beyond the 2020 season, that's, what that's I was a thinking really with this nice pick. pick. And I'm a I, big fan of that one. You said you got him at 89? 89, okay. third round. And then with the fourth pick, I feel like there's going to be a need on defensive line after all the hard decisions mm-hmm. are made with some of the guys that they have there. I took, I hope I'm saying this right, Lakai Fotu, defensive lineman out of Utah. Okay. And then uh, with that fifth pick in the fourth round, number 132, Courtney Davis, Texas A&M wide receiver, slot guy. So you were able to address a handful of needs there. You got them. You got an offensive lineman. An I got you the quarterback lineman. of the future. I got you... Uh, Dalvin Cook's replacement, and I addressed a need in defensive line with Lakai Fotu. Okay. That was my first crack at it, which I was like, all right, that's that's okay. I wouldn't give myself a failing grade, but I'm not in love with it. I want to be in love with my draft when I'm done with it. There are a lot of days where I do a draft sim, and I'm like, man, the board did, just, the board did not fall the way I expected, which... I'm sure a lot of GMs would be like, well, yeah, welcome to our world. That's all. We, uh, welcome to reality. Because I get pissed and I'm like, damn, I just want to like redo it. Can I hit like delete Is that and the start Browns over? excuse every year? Exactly. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think that there is a good reason to do one every single day to see kind of how it falls because mm-hmm. there have been times where, you know, you're watching as it's unfolding in real time, like last year, um, watching all those defensive linemen go as as early as they did, kind of, that was exactly what we expected within the draft sims that Matthew and I did, you know, for, for months and months leading into the draft. Um, so you can kind of see where things are trending, but beyond that, it, it's a free-for-all. Like, and it gets crazy when you can start, like, projecting out, like, how the second and third round may look. Because, you know, beyond the first round where people kind of have an idea, at that point, I mean, you can kind of have even an after, idea of Even after the third. first half of the first round, things can start to go kind of haywire. of the top ten. You just, and even still, like, I mean, like, where you had Mekhi Becton fall out of the top ten. Right. I don't anticipate him going past Arizona at eight. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Do you want me to read you mine? Yeah. 
Let's go. So I'm kind of also in... It's Courtney R. Draft Scouts drafts yeah, him. I mean, she's not living up to her name right now. Because <laughs> um, I'm a little irritated at how the cornerbacks came off the board. Um, That's what happened to me in the first fr- one that I, I just read to you. And I'm frustrated with yep. this. If I'm Rick Spielman right now, I'm like, shoot. Should have been more active in going to get a slot corner in free agency mm-hmm. because I'm basing this on the fact that they didn't. Um, but I did get Antoine Winfield, who in other mocks that I've had before, that's exactly who I want to replace Anthony Harris because I've already considered he's out the door. Uh, as of next week in free agency, go get your payday. But uh, Winfield's a guy who can play up in the box. He can be your deep safety. He can be in the slot. I mean, you need somebody there. Um, as we've talked about with Mike Zimmer before, it's not just, oh, someone's a strong safety and someone's your free safety. Not in his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, with, his import- with how important his back seven is um, to what he does, just, you know, you can make the argument there in certain cases that you'd want that your, your corners and your safeties are more important than what your guys are doing up front in rushing the passer. Um, especially some of the deficiencies that we saw last year. I think that he is a perfect fit back there. Is there a potential in-house candidate to replace Anthony Harris? Because all signs point to yes, no. he, he is out the door. There is no in-house I mean, candidate well, because he was an undrafted rookie and sure. it took him a few years to develop into what he is. Does Mike Zimmer have another project that he thinks is ready to replace they don't Anthony have, Harris? Well, if, you, if you take, let's just take all the everybody else away right now, they don't have another safety under contract. If we're going into the league year, there's a problem. That they don't have another safety under contract yeah. opposite Harrison Smith. Now, the possibility of bringing Andrew Sandejo back, um, I think that it's it's likely, and especially given he knows Zimmer's defense, he is a Zimmer guy. He is the type of he's a good fit back there, and he he played a little bit of nickel um, or a little bit in the slot in New Orleans when they were down so many corners. So he's versatile, even at his age, even with some of the injuries that he's had. Um, I could see them bringing him back. Now, would he go back to his starter's role that he was supplanted in the lineup with by Anthony Harris when he got injured two years ago? I don't know. Yeah. But I do think that you want to replenish that spot and you in, in getting somebody on a rookie contract, that's part of the argument of why they why it doesn't feel likely that Anthony Harris is going to come back here because you don't want two guys with cap hits of $10 million playing safety. Even Mike Zimmer said it, it's not the most important, it's not viewed as the most important position on defense. Um so that's why people prioritize going after defensive linemen and other things like that. So, you know, to me, getting a first round safety, somebody who you can treat as just straight up defensive back. Right. Playing him all over anywhere he needs to line up in the secondary, letting him do it. And right. he's done it a little bit at the U. Um, and he's comfortable doing it. I think the most interesting answer at his press conference back at the Combine was, you know, when he's asked about, like, who do you compare your game to? I always. I love and I hate that question because, you know, shoot for the moon, but also it's like when scouts get that question of who's this NFL comp? Like, stop comparing a 21 year old or a 20 year old to Randy Moss. Stop. Yeah. Um, Even Joe Burrow said somebody compared yes. his, his, to, to his Tom throwing Brady. motion He's to like, Tom Brady. Stop. Right. Stop. Exactly. Don't do that. Like, don't set me up for failure here. But, anyways, neither here nor there. Um, but he said Tyron Matthew. And a lot of guys, that was kind of a common answer that you heard throughout Friday, which was all the defensive backs did their interviews. They would go up there and say Tyron Matthew. Why? Because he re A, when he signed that contract in Arizona, he reset the market for cornerbacks at that point. But. He's so versatile. He's a, he's a cornerback slash safety. That is who he is. He is a defensive back through and through. He can play any position in the secondary, and he's versatile. So he's a Mike Zimmer type. Yes. Fits, fits the system. Mm-hmm. Fits the mold. So, yeah, that was my 
set first round pick. Then number two, because I'm not sure what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins, and I'm of the mindset that I think he wants to wait this thing out, not sign a not sign an extension right now. Wait till Dak Prescott gets paid. Wait till Patrick Mahomes gets paid. So we're already looking at next year. And then and it, and if he does that, if he doesn't sign some kind of extension mm-hmm. this off season. That tells me he plans on breaking the bank, whether it's with the Vikings or whether it's somewhere else. And, and whether it's in free agency is right. what, you're, you know, he, what you're getting at. He plans on getting every last penny he can get. If he doesn't sign an extension this offseason, any hope of a a hometown discount to stay with the Minnesota Vikings, I think, is out the window for Vikings fans. I, I agree. And um, I think Jalen Hurts, if he's there, which you know, I'm trying to go scroll through this and show you kind of where... Some of my other guys were at, mm-hmm. uh, like who came off the board right before there. The run on receivers for me started in the second round. Um, there were four, t- one, two, three, four taken within seven different picks. Wow. Um, uh, from pick 48 to where I picked at 58. So, you know, it's a good spot for him. Like, I, I think that's kind of the sweet spot in between like the 40 and 60 range. Mm-hmm. Um could I have waited? No. I don't think he would have been there in the third round. And I think a lot of people now are talking about, I mean, all eyes are on his pro day today in Oklahoma. Um, he is, he might not be your prototypical Mike Zimmer type of a quarterback. Um, and I think maybe that's just based on, you know, even this offense. But Gary Kubiak, you know, I, I'm very sure he will have a say, given he's done the personnel side before. He's been in this league a very long time. He will have a say in who he wants uh, to bring in. In April. So if it's Jalen Hurts, if he's there, I think a very good spot for this team to be is having not only a backup option, but also an option that you could either trade. If Kirk's great this year and you want to break the bank and you want to pay him, and that is, if you haven't already extended him to that point, then go ahead and trade your great second round pick or have this guy be waiting in the wings to compete for a job in a year. You never know with quarterbacks because one team can fall in love with a guy and, and he's off the board much earlier than sure. you expected. See Mitchell Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like with, with the draft sims that you do and with the mock drafts that you see out there, that they'll have a shot to get Jalen Hurts. If the Vikings are interested in him, they'll have a shot to get Jalen Hurts in the second or maybe even the third round. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that it's a good spot to be in for the Minnesota Vikings. And now to my third round picks. Um, so they had number 89 initially. And what I did is I went with an offensive tackle, Charlie Heck, out of North Carolina. Um, I announced earlier. I uh, tweeted out some news earlier that the Vikings are interested and they're and they're trying to re-sign Rashad Hill, who is the backup swing tackle. He's played as a starter out of need uh, in the 2018 season, and I mean he's filled in admirably at left tackle when Riley Reef uh, had injury concerns this year. That's not saying that I expect him, you know, to be to earn a starter's role. I mean, he he struggled against the run. He's really good in pass protection. He's a good swing tackle. So you eventually need to find where your replacement's going to be for Riley Reef. And whether this is a situation, I think this would be more closely a situation where you have him heck, Charlie Heck, that is, uh, sitting behind, you know, Reef for a year, potentially even sitting behind Brian O'Neill, and then you'd make the switch. Um, mm-hmm. I need to do a little bit more uh, draft scouting to see what his better fit would be. But having a tackle in your system, you know, picking at you know eighty nine, it's still a pretty high pick for an offensive lineman. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I think if you take an offensive lineman with any one of these first four picks that we're talking about mm-hmm. in our mock drafts, then you, you've you've done something to address that need and yeah. that hole. 
you can't let it just go unaddressed in the in the draft because obviously they don't have the the cap space or the assets sure. to do something about it in free agency. And and, and that's, the, that's the hard thing. Like Matthew and I have been kind of like you know tearing our hair out about this. That until we see what this team does in free agency, we have no clue how the later rounds of this draft are going to pan out. And late, by later rounds, I mean second round picking on. Um, it's. Do we know are they going to be active in trying to go get um, Jack Conklin? It, it Maybe. I mean, if, if Tennessee can't re-sign him, are they going to go try to get him in free agency? Should they try to go get a veteran corner? So if you do end up losing Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes to free agency and you don't really know what's going on with Xavier Rhodes right now, is he going to be a cap casualty, what have you, that you'd probably want to get a veteran in there, somebody who's already played the position so you could have Mike Hughes and Holton Hill Go opposite yeah, if they, each other. If they cut Xavier Rhodes, they only have Hill and Hughes under contract at cornerback, right? And Chris right? Boyd, yeah. I mean, it's right. it's a young group, and Mike Zimmer's kind of hinted that it's time for the younger guys to to step up into these roles. But until we see what they do in this first wave of free agency, who leaves and who might come in, um, it's tough to project what the draft could look like because I might want to use my 89th overall pick on on something else, uh, maybe even a cornerback if they did address that offensive tackle need, but. Again, we'll find out soon. So my 105th pick is Robert Windsor. Uh, he's a defense, interior defensive lineman out of Penn State. This team struggled against the run last year. Um, and Andre Patterson, now co-defensive coordinator, still working with the defensive line, has done wonders taking fourth, third, fourth, fifth round picks. Uh, even last year, Armand Watts, a sixth round pick, and making them productive members of this defense and, and part of this rotation that they're doing. And I think when you think about where Linville Joseph is in his career, and it sounds like from from what I gather with Windsor, he's probably more of a nose tackle, that you could bring him in and kind of work him the same way you did with Jalen the same way you did with Jaleel Johnson, then Jalen Holmes, then Armon Watts. Like they followed the same trajectory where these guys kind of serve as an understudy for a year. Uh, to figure out how they're going to fit in this defense. And I think, you know, his biggest strength is he's really good against the run. Um, so that's where my mind went there because I think you do need a defensive tackle presence. Shamar Stefan is under contract for another year or so. Linville Joseph, I mean, his free agency is either pending soon or might be his time in Minnesota could coming be coming up sooner than that. So, I mean, I think you need to have contingency plans Where do you in think place. they are with Linvel Joseph? Everything I read, it sounds like it's probably the end of his time in Minnesota. I, I, think, it's time, I think it's nearing the end. Um, and, you know, when you look at his cap hit that he has in 2020, it's expensive to keep him there. And, and even, like, if he was part of a trade, I mean, if you're trading for a straight-up nose tackle, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he do, he's not playing three technique. Um, I think that you don't. I don't know what you'd get back. That would be fair compensation, and you could you could get some. I think it's over ten million in cap space that you can get by releasing him. Um, and you already have guys. I mean, they've they really are high on Armin Watts and the progress that he made as a rookie. Uh, you know, Jaleel Johnson has the flexibility to play either three technique or nose, and I think they like him better as a nose tackle. And then Jalen Holmes too. I mean, we really haven't even gotten to see what he can do. So there are guys waiting. And, you know, once you figure out how that works, I think that will point to how you could use that third or, you know, third or fourth round pick on a defensive lineman. But, you know, to bring this back to, you know, full circle, that third round pick that they got because of the compensation picks that came out yesterday at 105 is huge. That is probably the best news that that front office has gotten in 
a while as they're yep. trying to sort through free agency because you're picking 16 spots after your third round pick and you can either use that to trade up that's great it creates great trade leverage like let's say they don't want four you know they don't want to stay the way that we did it here with having four picks in a row um and going in succession first through the third round they don't have a fifth round pick right now who's to say that maybe they don't try to trade back um in or even trade up i mean there's there's you can go both ways with it and get more draft capital that was one of the higher compensatory picks that was handed yeah. out yesterday wasn't it mm-hmm. from what i read yep yeah, that's a that's a valuable piece to have. All right, my second draft sim. Yes. And this is, I mean, for the second time ever doing a draft sim, I can't imagine it going much better than this. Can I get some music, Jonathan? I know we got to get to a break, but I got to get this one on the air. This is this is an A plus draft sim right here. So you, I mean, so you weren't feeling good about not your feeling first great one, about the first one, but you came back and hit it out of the park. went right back at it. Okay. And in the first round, pick number twenty five, got Trayvon Diggs. Okay. Cornerback out of Alabama, brother of Stefan Diggs, addresses a need. Maybe he stops with the ominous tweets and whatever unhappiness that is there because his brother's here and everybody happy, happy. With the second pick at number 58, defensive lineman out of Oklahoma, Neville Gallimore. Mm-hmm. The kid is an absolute beast. I went through uh, scouting reports and watching highlight reels. That's how deep I went into Man, my draft you, you scouting. Draft I went, scouting. I went for like, it. Your first time, and you're knocking out of the park. Now, third round. Jalen Hurts slips all the way to me with pick number 89 in the third round. So now I got your quarterback in the future. We talked about Cam Akers. I got him in the third round last time and Jalen Hurts in the second round. I get Cam Akers with my third pick in the third round at, or excuse me, yeah, at the third round at number 105. 105. And then slipping all the way down to the fourth round and pick number 132, another beast on the defensive line, Raquan Davis yes, from Alabama. From, slips I all also the way covered down. him, and uh, he and Cam Akers are two Mississippi kids. Raquan went to Meridian High School and is one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in person. It was good after that, but I don't need to bore you with rounds five through seven. I'm pretty happy with that, the first I mean, four rounds there. The fact that you got a developmental, two defensive linemen in that hall. Mm-hmm. One who could, you know, Raekwon has played defensive tackle and he can also set the edge too. So, I mean, he's a, a specimen of a just a massive human being. I think I read he's 6'7. Six, seven. He's 6'7. Six, seven. He's, he's, and he was that size leaving high school. Good just Lord. like the, the amount of work that you know what? Of, he put I played high school football. I wouldn't even try to block that guy. I'm not it's even going to pretend. I'm just getting out of his way. Yeah. I mean, in his motor too, from where it was in high school to where I've heard it, it is now. Obviously, you can't be a low motor player playing at Alabama and be successful, especially in that defense. And he had the chance to come out of the draft, come out to the draft last year, but he decided to go back to school. So the fact that he was there in the fifth round, pretty good. I actually freaked out. I had a um, that reminds me of my best draft sim ever, where I got to Sean Hand in the. I still talk about it to this day. It's a fifth round. It was fifth round in uh, one of my draft sims in April of 2018. And I think he ended up he ended up going to the Lions, but I mocked him to the Vikings that year, and that's still one that I talk about. You know, when you get a good defensive lineman that slips to you in the fourth or fifth, that's worthy of conversation. Okay, we were just worthy uh, of bragging. Rights. I just mentioned Stephon Diggs and his ominous tweets. Mm-hmm. Got another one. NFL update tweets just now. Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs. They put in parentheses who has created trade drama in the past. He's wearing a Cardinals Posted shirt. Posted a right? video of himself working out in a Cardinals shirt. Yeah, I I got a request for Arizona Sports Radio today uh, about that. <laughs> um, so they're doing the same thing yeah. we are. I think that okay. it's. I mean, it's it's speculation season. Um, That's th- odd, though. Is it an Arizona Cardinals shirt? 
Is it a St. Louis Cardinals shirt? Are I, we sure it's the car, the football maybe, Cardinals? Maybe he just likes the T-shirt. I don't know. Maybe That's he weird. just likes the T-shirt. Is it a Louisville Cardinals shirt? Could be Could Louisville. Be. Support for Teddy. Hmm. Former teammate. I don't know. Ominous, though. Very ominous. Fuels the reckless speculation, which is exactly what you're going to get a lot of right after this. When Bill Barnwell of ESPN joins Purple Daily, we're on 1500scorenorth.com, the Score North app, and streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind, and it's available on the Score North mobile app, Apple and Spotify. Anthony Harris, former, well, currently a Viking, but soon to be a free agent in the NFL, was on Good Morning Football this morning. Talked about whether he thinks he's the best safety in the NFL right now, saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, I stand by that, Um, you know. I only really try to look at what I've done on the film, um, the product that I've put on the film, and that you see when you cut on the film. Um, So for me, it's just over the history, whenever the opportunity was given, um, I felt like I made plays. Um, And that's not something that I just say. That's something that you can go back and check and factually see. Mm. Um, So as the opportunities increase, you know, the production has continued to increase. Um, When you look back when I was in college, I had the ball production with interceptions. So... To come back this year is just about continuing to put in the work in so I can continue to do that. And this year has pretty much just been me working, um, getting more opportunities, and then really just taking advantage when they're there. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. On 1500, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Rami Makloff in for Matthew Collar in the TCL Broadcast Studios and alongside Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. Hot Routes coming up at 3 o'clock. But joining us now on the show, this man and his work at ESPN.com often fuels the reckless speculation here at Score North. Pleasure to welcome in Bill Barnwell. Bill, how are you this afternoon? Reckless speculator. Uh, rec- reckless speculator expert, I think, would be a nice title. It's kind of my. Can you change uh, that in your Twitter bio, please? <laughs> that should definitely be in your Twitter bio. <laughs> but I love it, Billy. Your your column is must read. Every time I see it there at ESPN.com, I I have to read it because you you th- you look at NFL free agency and some of the speculation from a different angle than most people. My question is this: When it comes to Tom Brady, I think. We all assume he's the first domino to fall, at, at least in the quarterback sector of the free agent market. Do you think there's a chance that he doesn't make his decisions so quick that first thing Monday or first thing Wednesday when things can be official, Tom Brady is signing a contract? And if he does take his time, does everybody else, all the other quarterbacks and all the other teams that might be involved, do they sit back and wait to see what Tom Brady does before they make their next move? Yeah, I mean, he could wait until the end of the legal tampering period. That would not shock me because that sort of 4 p.m., March 18th, I believe the date is, deadline, is when Tom Brady has to sort of make a decision because the Patriots uh, are going to owe $10.5 million in dead money on their cap if Tom Brady still uh, is not on their roster under a new contract 
on March 18th. That would be in addition to whatever they pay Tom Brady if they brought Tom Brady back after that point. So I think you're going to see the best Patriots offer by that point. I think you're going to see the best offer from other teams as well. So um, could stretch until Wednesday for sure. But I don't think it'll stretch beyond that. But I do think you'll see teams like Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill or Tampa with Jameis Winston not sign their starter and, and sort of wait to see what happens with Tom Brady before they make another decision. And it sort of creates that domino effect. We're all expecting mm-hmm. him to be the first one to fall. And then that obviously affects, if he doesn't go back to New England, who the Patriots are going to target in free agency, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, There's other names that could, could move around in this process. How do you think they're approaching this right now? From your understanding of the situation, and we hear last week that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have a business-as-usual phone call, so there's certainly Mm -hmm. discourse and dialogue going on in the Keep Brady camp, and and that's all behind the scenes. I'm not speculating that was part of the phone call because hashtag tampering. Um, (laughs) But how do you think they're going about this and trying to figure out what their contingency plan is of getting another quarterback that's either on the free agent market or possibly even making a trade. I mean, we know Bill Belichick is not someone who isn't thinking about the future. This is a guy who always gets rid of a guy one year too early as opposed to one year too late. So I'm sure they've been thinking for a while now that Tom Brady might be leaving. And when they signed that extension with him in August where they knew they couldn't franchise him after the year, I think they spent this offseason possibly scouting guys like a Teddy Bridgewater, like a Philip Rivers, uh, like a Jameis Winston, who they knew were most likely to be free agents after the season. So, uh, you know, I think they've already prepared for that inevitability. Now, you know, do they have offers out? I'm skeptical of that. I think they don't want to necessarily promise someone, you know, hey, we're going to offer you $25 $25 million a year if Tom Brady leaves. And I think if you're someone like a Teddy Bridgewater, you can't sit there and wait for the Patriots to decide on Tom Brady if you have the opportunity to start elsewhere. So, um, you know, I, I think they're thinking about it. I think that there's, you know, always a possibility of a trade. Um, there are going to be guys out there. And, of course, if Tom Brady does sign with another team, that team is going to have suddenly, you know, a starting quarterback who might be available. If it's Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill could interest the Patriots. If it's Oakland, or sorry, Las Vegas, excuse me, Derek Carr could interest the Patriots. If it's San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo could interest the Patriots. So, um, you know, depending on where Brady signs, if he does leave, that could open another door for the Patriots to go after a replacement. Do you have a hunch or just a reckless guess where you think Tom Brady will end up, Bill? I do. I still think it's New England. Um, I, I, I'm I'm more skeptical That's no than I was before. That's not fun if I know he goes it's back no to fun. New England. I know. I, trust me. I, I said every time I've talked about it so far, the fun thing would be for Tom Brady to go somewhere else because it would be total chaos. Um, it would be wildly entertaining. But, you know, I do think – even though, you know, maybe if you asked me two months ago, I would have said there's a 90% chance Tom Brady comes back to the Patriots. Now I'd say it's closer to 60-40 or 55-45. I still think the Patriots are their favorites, but they're nowhere near as big of a favorite as they seemed a month ago or two months ago. So I know how intriguing this quarterback market, free agent quarterback market is. Um, but some other topics, especially locally, uh, of interest mm-hmm. with how bad the wide receiver market is. It's just not great. There's not a whole ton of options out there. And I know Rick Spielman shot down the notion that the team is interested in trading Stefan Diggs for, for obvious reasons. They don't have any mm-hmm. reason to just move him off the books um, without incurring, you know, dead cap and losing a very valuable player. But given how weak the free agent market is at that position, could you see that helping 
the case of Stefan Diggs if he does indeed want to trade, and also for the Vikings in the haul that they could potentially get back for him, um, just based on what's out there and what's not available right now. Yeah, I think it depends on the specific scenario for the team in question because uh, this is a very bad free agent class for wide receivers. Even if you figure someone like Sammy Watkins is going to get cut, which I think is likely, but it's a very good draft for wide receivers. So if you're a team that needs a wide out and you're not really planning to build right now, the reality is you're probably going to wait for the draft. I don't think you're going to have you know that much of an interest in trading for Stefan Diggs. You're probably going to take your risk with the draft pick, but. Let's say you're a team that is acquiring Tom Brady. Let's say you're the Las Vegas Raiders, and you're acquiring Tom Brady. And Tom Brady says, hey, you have Darren Waller, pretty good. You have Tyrell Williams. We know he's a deep threat occasionally. I need a number one receiver, and I need one now, or else I'm not going to come play for your football team. Well, then, will the Las Vegas Vegas Raiders sit there and say, hey, you know, there's no one really out there in free agency. I don't know if Sammy Watkins is that guy. We have extra picks from the Bears. Let's call up the Vikings. Let's see what we can do about Stephon Diggs. And if a first-round pick is going to interest Minnesota, and, and of course the Vikings now can use that first-round pick on one of those many wideouts in this year's draft class to replace Stephon Diggs. I, you know, I, I don't think that's likely, but I don't think that's out of the question either. Talking with Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com here on Purple Daily on fifteen hundred and the Score North app. Speaking of Tom Brady and receivers he'd like to play with, I believe it was um, Jeremy Fowler who said sources within Antonio Brown's camp are telling him that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown have been in contact and that Brady kind of plans on taking Antonio Brown with him wherever he settles on signing. Do you think Tom Brady is enticing enough to take on the risk of Antonio Brown at this point in his career? I mean, Tom Brady has a lot of leverage. You know, at the end of the day, Tom Brady is going to be able to dictate a lot of what he wants to whatever team is going to uh, bring him in. I think there are teams that would say, no, we're not going to bring in Antonio Brown. He's too much of a risk. He has the, you know, possibility of a suspension hanging over him based on, um, you know, off-field allegations. There's uh, the financial issues. There's the, the social media presence. Um, but there are teams who are going to sit here and say, hey, we can bring in the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. And if it's going to cost us, you know, $3 million to bring in Antonio Brown, the one-year deal uh, with a you know partial guarantee, we're going to give that a shot. If it doesn't work, hey, we'll tell Tom Brady once we have him, once he's in our building and once we have him under contract, hey, it didn't work out, we're going to move on from Antonio Brown. Because Tom Brady's stuck at that point. But, you know, I, I, I do think that it depends on the organization. I don't think I could see the Patriots bringing him back. But I, I do think you'll see other organizations who will at least entertain that notion. Before the break, we were talking about the Vikings' compensatory pick that they earned yesterday, number 105. So it's a third rounder. That's huge, uh, just in terms of where they picked before at 89. So they have four picks within just about the top 100 and just outside of that. What do you think that does for a team like Minnesota? That right now, there's some uncertainty as to whether they're going to get an extension done with Kirk Cousins this offseason. Does not feel like it's going to happen before free agency, but beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in a position where they might want to draft a quarterback, uh, whether it's Jalen Hurts, a second round, maybe even the, in the third. But they do have that extra third round pick. How can that help Minnesota this year, whether they use it or they decide to use it as leverage? Yeah, it gives you flexibility, right? You know, if there's a guy you love 
Well, now you have an extra third-round pick you can use to trade up and maybe get that guy at the bottom of the second round as opposed to having to wait and hope he banks it to you, you know, sort of towards the bottom of the third round. Um, that flexibility can go a long way. It doesn't always work out. I think about the, you know, Cordero Patterson trade is a trade where the Vikings did trade a bunch of those mid-tier draft picks to the Patriots. I think the Patriots came away with, like, Logan Ryan and Jamie Collins, if I'm not mistaken, from that trade. So it didn't work out for, for Rick Spielman. But, you know, I, I think you're going to see an opportunity to – move up for a guy who maybe you're fond of, or just, you know, maybe draft a guy where you wouldn't have had the opportunity to draft that guy if you hadn't had that comp pick. Obviously, this is a team that is so top-heavy, so much talent in the starting positions that they do need to kind of use those picks to supplement the depth on their roster at receiver or in the secondary or, or along the defensive line. So, um, you know, obviously a lot of moving pieces in the air for uh, Minnesota right now, in terms of the starters that might be back or might not bring back, you guys had Anthony Harris talking about uh, his future right before I came on, and that's, that's a big question mark still as well. So, um, you know, I think it's going to depend on what they get done in free agency and who they're able to bring back and what they're able to do in terms of bringing in relatively low-cost depth. I think that may determine whether they use one of those picks to either trade up for a quarterback or use one of those picks on a quarterback himself. Speaking of things up in the air for the Minnesota Vikings, Bill, yesterday on Get Up, Diana Rossini threw out there that she doesn't think the 49ers are in on Tom Brady because they're waiting to see what happens with Kirk Cousins and his contract and whether or not it expires next offseason because, as she put it, she's never seen a coach as in love with with a quarterback the way that Kyle Shanahan is Kirk Cousins. So I heard that, and and I thought, and actually she even threw out the possibility that maybe the Vikings approach the 49ers or, or vice versa and talk about a Kirk Cousins trade to the 49ers this year with one year left on his contract. It's one of the few scenarios where you, you might think he, he would think about waiving his no-trade clause. He loves Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan as much as Shanahan loves him. It gets the Vikings out of the last year of the contract and frees up Jimmy Garoppolo to go back to Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Those are those are those dominoes are they reasonable? Does that make sense to you if if you threw that into the mix of what's already kind of a chaotic quarterback situation this NFL offseason? Well, in that scenario, who do the Vikings end up with? Draft picks or other other assets. I think it would mostly be just to get out of the last year of Cousins contract and, and move on into a new era of, 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 of a quarterback for Vi- for the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, I mean, you know, they could sign Teddy Bridgewater. That's not out That's, of the question. I think that was that one of the names romantic. I thought of, yes. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think there's it's always a possibility. We knew Kyle Shanahan did love Kirk Cousins from when they were together in Washington. Uh, that was a hot rumor uh, during the time Kirk Cousins was about to hit free agency. Now, of course, they ended up trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. I can't fault them for doing so. Um, I, I just, you know... I think if they had loved Kirk Cousins that much, they would have waited to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency the first time as opposed to letting him go to uh, Minnesota, and they did not do that the first time. So, you know, I, I don't deny, I don't doubt that, you know, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo struggles next year and Kirk Cousins is a free agent, that the, you know, Niners would absolutely consider going after Kirk Cousins. But from them, you know, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think he's that much different in a vacuum from Kirk Cousins. I think you just wait a year, kind of see what happens with Garoppolo this year, and then, you know, Kirk Cousins might be a free agent next year. You pursue him then. So we won't stop talking about the quarterback class because obviously it's <laughs> unprecedented to have a group of this many established veterans who are still very good uh, about to hit the free market. But from your perspective, what is the next best position or the most loaded position out there that's going to be making some waves as we start to get into tier one of free agency next week? Hmm, I'd say cornerback. 
Um, and obviously the Vikings are, are figuring play here with Trey Waynes and um, Xavier Rhodes possibly becoming a free agent. Mackenzie Alexander also a free agent. Um, a lot, a lot of you know mid tier guys. A lot of starters. Not really like like you know no real superstar cornerbacks hitting the market. You know maybe a Chris Harris if you think Chris Harris is still playing at a high level. Logan Ryan um, had a good season last year, but just a lot of guys were you know teams who need to replace. You know, their starters and had one or two guys who can just step in and play uh, are going to be able to do that, which is pretty rare uh, given how tough it's been to find good cornerbacks in the NFL. And finally, Dalvin Cook. There's some talk uh, around Vikings fans this offseason that if he, if you can't come to a contract extension with him and there's the possibility that he's going to hold out come training camp, maybe you shop him around in a trade. But you got to imagine other teams around the league, or at least I would imagine, see the same value in a running back entering that stage of his career that the Vikings do and also wouldn't give him some kind of contract extension and run into this same sort of stalemate with him. Is there value for a running back like Dalvin Cook on the trade market should the Vikings decide to explore it? I mean, some, but not much. You know, you might find a, a team that's willing to offer a mid-round pick in return, which I don't think is really worth it if you're the Vikings and you see what Dalvin Cook can offer you. Um, but I think teams are going to see the same thing that, that, that we all see, which is a talented player who has struggled to stay healthy during his pro career. Um, a guy who even last year got hurt, wasn't 100% in December and heading into the postseason, um, and was playing in a, a Kubiak scheme that has historically made running backs look like absolute superstars. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy you'd like to have on your roster. I think he's a guy who, you know, at the right price, you're going to want to have around. I think he's better than your typical just, you know, generic running back. But um, is it worth it to trade him away for a year to get a fourth or fifth round pick? I you know, I, I think that's probably what the market would bear, and I just don't think that's, you know, a great return for a player who, you know, even if he does hold out, is probably better to have on your roster for 10 games than to trade away and, you know, kind of stick with Alexander Madison as your sole running back. That's Bill Barnwell. You can read his work and all the reckless speculation at ESPN.com <laughs> and our guest for the last few minutes here on Purple Daily. Really appreciate it, Bill. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, guys. Bill Barnwell joins us on the show. I can't, I just, I want it to start today, Courtney. The I want I'm not, free, free agency. agency. I just want it to happen now. Like, I, I feel like I'm, it's like, I'm like a little kid waiting for Christmas. I know. It's, I just want something. I want moves. I want something to get shaken up. I want to know what I'm, because obviously I'm the draft scout on the show, the right. resident draft scout. Right. So my brain is already laser focused in <laughs> on April 23rd through 25th. So once we know, and the shows next week are going to be so exciting because once the dust settles, and it won't for a couple days because Monday through Wednesday, I remember last year I was in the parking lot behind Jonathan um, coming in for the Tuesday Purple Daily of free agency week. And 1.55 p.m., I want to say, I see an alert on my phone that Anthony Barr is backing out of his uh, agreement to go to the Jets. And Matthew and I were just about to get on air at that moment. And we had two hours of fantastic. I mean, granted, I'm trying to write a news story and file it and then write an analysis piece uh, in the middle of talking about this on air and, and trying to figure this all out in breaks. And um, Wait, you wrote the story while you were oh, on the yeah. air? It, it was complete chaos because it's, you know, it's, I can't write a tweet while I'm on the air. I know, it's very hard. It was, it was a very hard day. It tested all of us and it tested my patience. But... Um, it always feels like in free agency, we know what's going to happen by Wednesday because Monday and Tuesday are so nuts. Like think back to the 2018 
off season when Kirk was coming here. Tuesday morning at 7.30, we already knew that Case Keenum was gone and he was going to Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, we then knew that Kirk Cousins was coming here on a free agent visit. We knew the figure already because uh, it had been rumored coming out of the combine. They wanted a fully guaranteed deal upwards of $90 million. But by that time, we knew three years, $84 million. Like We literally had the figure ready to go uh, going into free agency more than 24 hours before the new league year kicked in. So it's like we knew had all these pieces just kind of like lined up at the door waiting for the door to open to flood in. Um, and that was that's the exciting part of free agency because I, I know people think like it starts on, on Wednesday and that's when it, all the moves happen. They're already being put into place long before that. But this year it feels different. This year feels like we're going to get something at the 11th hour that's just going to blow our socks off and be like, whoa, like we did not see this coming. And it's more than just, you know, when we talk about the quarterback free agent market, it's more than just Tom Brady. Like I'm wondering, is is Cam Newton staying in Carolina? Right. Like I think about that. Where's Andy Dalton going? Because they're going to draft Joe Burrow. And and yes, it doesn't necessarily pertain to the market, the free agent market itself. And those would obviously be via trades. But that changes the need. It changes the whole dynamic of what you're looking at. It changes what teams are doing. So I'm excited for it. And I do think, you know, Bill brings up some good points. Um, and one thing we didn't even get into the discussion with him about is a new CBA. Like, I want to find out what the Dallas Cowboys are going to do. Are they like right now? It looks like you can if the new CBA passes, which it looks like it's going to, they have the potential to use two tags. So what if they find out on Saturday night that they only have one tag because it's going to stay on the current CBA? And it's a franchise or a transition, whether you're going to apply it to Amari Cooper, whether you're going to apply it to uh, Dak Prescott. I don't know if they would consider using that on their cornerback, Byron Jones. Like, um, it's just it's amazing to me how this thing is all kind of coming to a head so quickly. Um, but it still feels so far away because, A, we're waiting on the CBA to happen, mm-hmm. and B, we're waiting on Tom Brady, which sets the whole thing in motion. And I, I, I can't imagine that's going to be a quick decision for Tom Brady. like Because, so I, well, it seems like so many teams are going to be in on Tom Brady and trying to entice him to come. Just the sheer, just the process and the sheer mm-hmm. time that it takes for all those teams to go through their pitches. I don't know if they're traveling to him or if he's going on a tour and traveling to all these different teams, but just the time that it's going to take. If there's five or six teams that legitimately want to make pitches to Tom Brady, we might, well, not us as much as the rest of the quarterbacks on the free agent market, might be sitting back and just waiting for that domino to fall before we see where everybody else lands. Because think about it. When, when a team wants to keep you, like, I'll try to localize it again. Back when Kirk Cousins, we knew in February that Washington was not going to try to pursue a long-term deal after the second, using the second franchise on him, sure. um, franchise tag on him. So we knew he was going to hit the open market. So we had weeks to start thinking about what team would make sense. What's his best fit? Are there any coaches that he could potentially want to go play for? That type of thing. So by the time free agency hit, even before the legal tampering period opened, we knew it was four teams. It was Minnesota as Minnesota and the Jets were the two front runners at that time. Because right. At the time, they had so much money to spend and then it was Arizona and it was Denver so you eliminated a handful you know the rest of the field and you're constantly zeroing in on how does he fit in each one what can they all offer him uh, etc etc with Tom Brady you still have to factor in that the place he's been for the last 20 years might be where he ends up 
And as Bill said, it's not fun to say, oh, That's I so bet he boring. goes back. It is boring. So boring. But he is, can't go back to New but England But it feels at this point. realistic, too, that you can't count them out. Like, you could count out others in the same scenario. But yesterday you asked me, and I think I asked you the same. Where, where I think he's going. Is it New England or the field? I took the field. And I would take the field as well. But I just don't think you can count out there, New England. There's just I'm so much to. out there. Like I know. Th- They might, if you, if you broke it down individually... Does New England have a better chance of landing him than, say, I don't know, who's than San Francisco or Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay or the Chargers, the mm-hmm. teams that have been rumored to get him? Yes, but if you take the whole field sure. and the odds that the field lands, yeah, thirty-one him, other teams exactly. technically in there. Not that all thirty-one are in play for him, but, but that really your is, odds are bigger. That's the great thing about this free agent class is that you you have a a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of teams that are actively seeking a quarterback mm-hmm. right now, but. I keep pointing this out. There are more established quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in this market when you combine the free agents and the trades than there are actually teams looking for a quarterback. This is going to be a game of musical chairs, and there's going to be two or three guys when all the starters are signed mm-hmm. who are going to be sitting out in the cold and going to have to either take a backup job or go to a situation like Chicago where you might get a chance to compete for the job. But you're not going to be a clear-cut starter. There's going to be two or three guys who are going to have to swallow that pill of you're not getting a starting job somewhere in the NFL. Wild. Nick Foles, I think, falls into that. Andy Dalton Andy, probably falls into that. And I think if Andy Dalton goes somewhere, too, I think the Bengals are going to set him up in a position where he's going to be able to... He hasn't had a 4,000-yard season since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that they're going to set him up in a situation where he can at least eventually be able to take over a job, which is why Chicago makes a whole ton of sense. Yeah, there's already some smoke there. I don't know if it's a fire, but there's definitely some smoke there. We're going to get to a break. On the other side, it's time for my favorite part of Purple Daily. It's the hot routes, ladies and gentlemen, right after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. Prizes are up for grabs this month. Include three equalizer wedges, and a precision-milled forged putter, courtesy of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company, a $200 gift card to Best Buy, and more. Download the free Score North mobile app, register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 580! 397! Sure is. Rami Makloff in for Matthew Collar alongside Courtney Cronin in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Jonathan Harrison. On the other side of the glass, and uh, this is where we ask the pressing football and NFL questions from around the world, and uh, kind of a team effort today. We all came up with questions for Hot Routes this afternoon Group here effort. on Purple Daily. You said you wanted me to go first? Because with my, you have okay. one that's more topical. Yes, so today, Stefan Diggs, there was a, uh, a video of him working out wearing an Arizona Cardinals t-shirt. And, of course, that is fueling the speculation surrounding Stefan Diggs, which he has done all offseason with ominous tweets and actions such as that. My Hot Rods question for Courtney and Jonathan is this. What is the weirdest apparel that you have of a team that you never rooted for? Do you have a T-shirt or a hat or a jersey? Yeah, I have a San Diego Padres T-shirt 
not even like a, a jersey, whatever jersey shirt thing. It's just a <laughs> San Diego Padres t-shirt. And the reason I got it was because my brother's little league team back in like the late 90s was the San Diego Padres. So my parents thought that that was... Um, you know, to root for the little league team, I had to show up in the same the orange. It was the old color scheme too. It was the orange and navy, and I'm picturing it. It's orange, navy, and white. Um, and it was, I mean, it's honestly a cool throwback. Um, very random though. I was never a Padres fan I love, outside of my brother's little league team. I love misguided parents who sometimes <laughs> just don't get sports. I know, like yeah. they didn't they didn't watch or, or root for any team or any sport growing mm-hmm. up, and they're trying their damnedest. Like they're trying. <laughs> But they just don't get it. They're just misguided. It's, I mean, honestly, it's a great throwback. Um, I do like wearing it from time to time. It sits, like, it's, st- I still have it. It still sits in the bottom of my t shirt drawer. Um, but the digs thing, I was trying to find the comment. Somebody, I think, had posted it on Twitter. Uh, I think he said that he was working out, obviously, and uh, he didn't have a T-shirt or something. So it's a team that probably gave it to his brother. So he said it was his brother's shirt. So he probably got it on a pre-draft visit with the Cardinals. So you didn't just, have any shirt to wear, dude. You had to put on the Cardinals shirt. I mean, and video it. It's and on your Instagram. It, right, you exactly. knew what you were doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Don't don't even try, Jonathan. You guys remember the Rob Lowe NFL hat that he had yes. at the San Francisco 49ers? Yes. I had one of those as a kid. <laughs> what? I don't know how. <laughs> Why? I had Where did one you get it? The referee no idea. hat? Yeah, the referee hat. I had one. I have no idea where I got it from. I wore it, but I don't know where I got it from, but I had one. I also had, as a kid, growing up a Vikings fan here in Minnesota, I had a Washington football squad. You remember the starter jackets? Yeah. I had one, and I don't know why. But I had one. Washington football, like the Huskies. Washington no, Huskies Redskins. football. Oh, Redskins. Yeah. Oh, I wow. had one. I don't know why. But why? I, did. I have one. I have. I have a. Um, when I was, you can go into my starter jacket story. It's just taking up <laughs> I was time. On say, hot I think a lot of people were wearing um, starter jackets that yeah. weren't the team well, they were rooting for, just because they were. That was the thing. Back in the nineties, kids yeah. were getting like killed over them mm-hmm. in Chicago. That and Jordan. So my parents, my dad, would not let me have one, even though we didn't live in the mean streets of the South Side. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to get one. So for my twenty-first birthday, I went on eBay and I bought a Miami Dolphins starter jacket, teal, teal and orange, with the old AFC logo on the there left shoulder uh, and the Dolphins logo on the right. And I wore it for Halloween one year. I don't even know what my it for was. Halloween. That's not a costume. It's no, I mean it's, never, it's an everyday thing. But you know, back in college, it's a great costume. But yeah, that's. True. I think everybody. Yeah, I agree with Rami on that. Everyone has a starter jacket that yep. is of a team that they never rooted for, but love the color scheme. My mom bought me a knockoff because uh, I was a big. I don't know why. I don't know how this happened. University of Miami, huge University of Miami fan I mean, growing up. They were the hot. They team. were the hottest team in sports yeah. back then. And their their gear, their apparel was the hottest thing. Even if you didn't, it's I think root for the Hurricanes, mm-hmm. you wore those. Yeah. And my mom uh, wasn't. She wasn't buying me a starter jacket. She wasn't paying that kind of money. But we found a knockoff. What was the knockoff Miami brand? University? Like I don't. I don't know. But it looked <laughs> it looked a lot like a starter jacket, and it was good enough for me. I was happy. But I have a. Uh, I still have it to this day, although I don't wear it. A Ryan Braun. Milwaukee Brewers jersey in the gold alternates that they have, and I liked Ryan. Yeah. I liked Ryan Braun pre uh, PED controversy and pre being a jackass with how he yeah. like handled it. Yeah, sure. Immediately after that, it became part of my dog's bedding inside of his crate. That's, that's <laughs> I was really- going to ask when you're going to do the Phil Mackey special, which he always talks about Milwaukee fans always having cargo shorts and Ryan Braun hey, jerseys. Man. Why haven't you done that? Why haven't you come in in that yet, Courtney? I don't know where you stand on this. 
I can't stand all the cargo short hate. I'm a bit. I'm still wearing cargo shorts. Oh, I, I brought them with me from Milwaukee. I mean, and I'm not going to stop yeah. wearing them. Exactly. I They're mean, so useful. Cargo. It's your storing things. Exactly. I assume. Exactly. Absolutely. I'm not giving up cargo shorts. I don't care you know how what? unfashionable Great. it is. I don't care how 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 far left in the past I am. <laughs> I'm sticking with cargo shorts. Rami, I'm right there with you. Cargo Taking that stand. Okay. Courtney. Do you have another hot route? Oh, you want me to give you my next hot route? You can run through all of them. So Marshawn Lynch apparently has a significant role in the new season of Westworld. I stopped. I quit on Westworld after season uh, one. Can you give me the synopsis of what the show is? I know know I've heard it. I I just haven't watched it. It's on HBO and... uh, (laughs) Robot playground, essentially. Robot theme park? Yeah, like you can go live in the Wild West... And do all the things that you would do in the Wild West, you know, like be a cowboy, shootouts, ride horses, okay. blah blah blah. You can fantasy be fantasy land. You can be a bandit. You can be a good guy. And but they're all everybody in this world is a robot, except for the other, except for like the people who pay the other, the them. other sure. customers. But then the robots start to become self-aware because of AI, and things start to go wrong. Like I, I quit after season one, like I said. But regardless, Marshawn Lynch has a significant role in the new season of Westworld. What TV show? Would you like to have a significant role in? Is my next question for Hot Rods. Oh, I want to be on Homeland. Is that still a thing? Yeah. I stopped watching after season four. But really? Yeah. No, it's still need, a thing, and it's still good. It. I think I'm three episodes into this season, so I'm probably a couple behind, but it's been good. And this is the final season. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know so if I want to be Claire Danes. To go down. I don't want to be like. Bipolar. And I don't want. I don't want that, and I also don't want to put myself at risk every single day of getting killed uh, on counter terrorist. So missions. good on that show. Like but I'm. Con- really I'm good. convinced. Like she really, and I'm not making light of it. Like when I see her going through those episodes, yeah. I'm convinced she really does have some of these issues. That's how good she is at playing that. It's it's just a great show. No, I love that she, show. She, she's fantastic. I don't know what my role would be on it. I but I just want to be part of it. You don't want to be in danger though. Well, you don't want to be one of the people she, she, like, who's in the line of fire I don't want or to be near explosions. Fine. I'll be clear. I don't want to be Quinn. I don't want to be like have sarin gas or whatever happened to him in the Berlin season and all the horrible things that happened to him. It was awful. That, so, was, that was hard that to was, watch. That was the last season I watched. Whichever that one was, um, I struggled to get through that yeah, one. Yeah, that was hard to watch. Yeah. Like it was, a little, it was a little bit too real for me. Jonathan? Uh, I, thinking off the top of my head, my favorite show right now, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's a great show, man. I love man. that show. I was just the watching cast it is this so morning. Good. Yeah. It's everything about that show is so funny. Everything the cast is so great together. Last week on Score North Live, Collar was looking for TV show recommendations because football season is over and he w- just breezed right through BoJack Horseman. I gave him that's what I said, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's so good. We just started awesome watching show. it ever since we got Hulu and it's amazing. Yeah, I went back and started watching it again from the beginning, which is something I almost never do with TV shows. Usually I'm one and done. Yeah, I'll watch something once and never come twice. back. But it's it's really that good. I also went back and watched Breaking Bad because my girlfriend had never seen it. And it's the greatest show in the history of television, in my opinion. It's been on my list for a long time. And Bad I, in the Wire. I do get a kick out of exper- like watching somebody else experience something for the first time and fall in love with that thing for the first time that, sure. I'll, that I'm already a huge fan of. So... In that instance, I will go back and rewatch something. But Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's so good. I just took it upon myself. My show though is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, that, I would give a great show. I would give. Anything. I love awkward situations. Yeah, I just put I just, me in all of them. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. I want an awkward moment with Larry David that that just degrades into an argument and us shouting at each other. That that's that's my dream job <laughs> in television. If there's one show that I could get a significant role on, and also everybody who I hear interviewed from that show says it's just the most fun that they have ever had acting or working in Hollywood in show business. That they just show up every day and they have fun. And I don't know if you guys know how that show works. There is no script. Larry, okay. Dave, Larry David just writes a story and his writers, and so they'll explain the scenario to you, like literally just as you're going on camera. They'll say, all right, so you're at the grocery store, Larry, and they won't the, the bagger won't give you a plastic bag because you didn't pay for it. Go. And they just act out the scene. They just you, react like they would in that scenario. You could have a knockoff version of that with Judd. Like, That's I'm just true. saying, like That's you true. could do this on a light scale uh, here. But yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, okay, my turn. Per a report from FS1, former Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski is close to finalizing a deal with the WWE. Now it's unclear what his role is going to be, but in the past Gronk has expressed interest to do quote one crazy match. Who would you like to see Gronk get in the ring with? Could either be a WWE superstar, maybe even Brock Lesnar, or you could do another NFL player. Rami, Jonathan, I'll start with you. You want me to go first? Yeah, I, I was going to let Jonathan go first because I haven't formulated an answer yet. Okay, Jonathan. First go of all, ahead. I, I just think Rob Gronkowski is going to be terrible in wrestling. Oh, like, probably. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what his technical skills are like in the ring. Nor do I care. The guy is bad at talking. Like the only time Rob Gronkowski is entertaining to me with a microphone is when we're actively laughing at him. I've never laughed with Rob Gronkowski, and he's certainly never said something like insightful or introspective or that made me think. So as far as the mic skills go, I just can't. I can't imagine Rob Gronkowski being okay. a hit. He'd just in the be world making noises. Like- yeah. All he's got to do is trash talk. Yeah. He's not good at that. that. I don't think he can. You have to have brains to trash talk. (laughs) (laughs) The guy's he's just a walking muscle. That's all he is. And God bless him. Fair enough. Yeah, he's just a walking muscle with with Bud Light. I think I'd like to see him in the ring with Mick Foley. Mick Foley would destroy him. Absolutely, but it'd be great to watch because it's with Mick Foley, it's always a hardcore match. So there's always like barbed wire or something involved. So having him in the ring with Mick Foley and them just going off the top of Hell in the Cell would be amazing. I'd like to just see Stone Cold Steve Austin whoop his ass. Yeah. That's that's what I'd like to see. Stone Cold Steve Austin. With like, a chair? Sure. We can involve some chairs. Okay. Yeah. Rami, he, could, he could take a steel chair to the forehead. Would you willingly take a stunner from Stone Cold Steve Austin? Mm, I don't know, man. I would pay money to take a stunner see, from Steve Austin. It sounds like fun, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. It doesn't sound fun at all. I don't even know what that is. It doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> Can we explain the Stone Cold stutter to her? All you basically right, so, get kicked in the gut. You bend over. He turns around, grabs grabs your head, and just like falls to the ground. So he puts you. your chin like on his shoulder okay, and then drops to the ground. So all the force of you dropping to the ground. Kinda. You get hurt? Doesn't sound good. Yeah. You see... People I think, think you do. No, people think this is fake and it's just acting and you can't get hurt. That's no. what, that's what my former co-host thought when he thought it was a good idea to get in the ring with Jerry the King Waller. Oh, well, that was his mistake. Who pile drived him twice. <laughs> and fractured his vertebrae. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, my buddy couldn't turn his head for like six Jeez. months, six to eight months. 
And Jerry Lawler thought it was hilarious. No. Of course, Jerry Lawler. I'm not getting in hilarious. the ring with any professional wrestler. Anymore. Oh, my gosh. Well, so you guys stuck on the wrestling side. Oh, sorry. I'll, I never no, answered. No, no, that's fine. You no, might, I said Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Yeah. That's fine. I will say I'd like to see him get in the ring with Travis Kelsey. I think that would be a fun matchup. That'd be fun. That'd be good. Two two raucous tight ends who are damn good at their position, football superstars. I want to see what they look like in that arena. You know what football player I always want to see in professional wrestling? A lot of people probably won't recognize this name if you're listening to us and under the age of, I don't know, 30. Greg Lloyd. Remember Greg Lloyd, mm-hmm. the linebacker for the Steelers? Yep. The guy was just terrifying. Like either even other NFL players were terrified of him. I think it was Michael Westbrook, the wide receiver from the Redskins, who said something that offended Greg Lloyd on the football field, and like Greg Lloyd was like, I'm gonna find this dude. And Michael Westbrook <laughs> took it upon himself to like gather reporters around and apologize. I think he said something about Greg Lloyd's mom on the football field. And he was like, Man, I would never disrespect your mom. I'm sorry, Greg. Let's talk about this. It was so funny. Like the fear in this man's eyes that he thought Greg Lloyd not only wanted to tackle him, but had an actual personal grudge and was going to find him off the football field was the scariest thing that this man had ever experienced. Thank goodness. Stay away from him. Um, okay. Or just don't talk about his mom. Yeah. yeah. Keep Probably the easier out. route. Exactly. Someone who I know does not talk about people's moms on the football field, or at least hasn't been reported, it's Christian McCaffrey. It's the next segue to the next hot route. So as it pertains to McCaffrey and a long-term deal with the Panthers, new coach Matt Rule was obviously asked about this at the Combine, and he made the comment, kind of not ruling out the possibility of moving him, although he said some players are, quote, highly unlikely to be traded, but... I love this quote. said, quote, I would trade my son Bryant if it was for the right people. Uh, and he obviously laughed. He wasn't kidding. Uh, I'm just saying you have to have that mindset early, especially early on as a coach. Now, it's a two-part question because we'll get into the more football side of this in a minute. But let's say you're a GM. And it's not it's not just trading. You're say you're the GM of the Vikings. Say you're Rick Spielman for the matters of localizing this and making this feel real. I thought you were gonna ask me if I would trade a family member. Let's keep it non family members, but you can trade anything related to the Vikings, whether it's trading location, whether it's trading a superstar player, whether it's trading coaches on your staff, others in the front office. If you could get, and you don't need to like say who it would be. If you if you could get any superstar player, somebody that like you any really player you wanted, want. right? Give me something obscure that you would trade that obviously we couldn't do nowadays. Hmm. Not just trading Stefan Diggs because that's boring, right? Can I trade U.S. Bank Stadium? I was sure gonna can. say that too. Sure can. I think I'd trade U.S. Bank Stadium for Patrick Mahomes. Okay. And just play just play a target field or whatever. <laughs> wherever wherever you can find a football field or an expanse of grass long <laughs> enough to play football. Just if you if you could get Patrick Mahomes, yeah. I don't care how many taxpayer dollars went into that thing. Trade US Bank Stadium <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes. No doubt. Absolutely. Totally agree. Right. Hey, trade whatever you have to to get that kind of a quarterback on your team, especially for this franchise that hasn't experienced the Super Bowl in forty years and hasn't ever won one. I don't think Vikings fans would have any problem with that. Even the people who gripe about the taxes that they paid to build U.S. Bank Stadium and are going to have to continue to pay because it's leaking. But (laughs) I don't think even they would take issue if you said, yeah, we're we're trading the stadium for Patrick Mahomes. I think every Vikings fan, every resident of Minnesota would be like, yeah, cool. No, let's do that. I'm all in. I'm all in. Question for you, Rami. Yes. Since you're trading the stadium, would you trade the roof? Because I know you're a fan of roofs, especially yeah, but, in this state. No, just Would for you baseball, trade, well, man. You can't like keep the roof and put it on another 
Just saying that. You, it's well, a one Rami's one a huge deal. fan of roof. I, do have, I don't know if you know about my campaign to hashtag put a roof on it. I do yeah, want him to I, put a roof on Target Field. I don't but blame you. If you ha- thank you. You should join <laughs> the movement. You. Use the hashtag. I appreciate it's it. Beautiful but stadium, but put a roof cold. on Wrigley Field. I'm I put a roof saying. on anything where it is a reasonable and viable option to put a roof on it, especially when we're talking about playing the sport of baseball because it doesn't work in cold weather and inclement weather. It just doesn't work. But football is a different story. No, football can be played in the cold. Football can be played in the elements. As long as there is a heating element under the field and they're not playing on like frozen dirt yeah no play the play the game outside i don't care sure okay Okay. so the second part of this question uh pertains to the football side of it because obviously the panthers need to make a decision whether they're going to try to unload options which they certainly have done um you know we're going to find out if they're going to move on from from uh, cam newton and if he's part of their plans as we talk about running backs in the context of Top guys in the league, like we talked about with Dalvin Cook yesterday. Should they move on from Christian McCaffrey or should they pay him? He's 23 years old. He's incredibly durable. You can kind of make a column for him almost as like this, you know, outlier, essentially. Because you take a look at Dalvin Cook's situation while they Mm -hmm. both were kind of neck and neck for a while in the MVP race. Christian McCaffrey was the offense in Carolina and due to injury to Cam Newton and other circumstances. Is he deserving of becoming the highest paid running back in the league? He's deserving of being the highest paid running back in the league. I don't think I would I would sign that contract though if I was the owner or the general manager. I just for me to for me to do that for a running back, like you said, I have to believe he's the exception to the rule. I have to believe that he's gonna he's he's gonna break the mold of mm-hmm. what running backs have been in this league and continue to be at the top of his game and top of his position beyond what most guys are to make it worth the money. And as good as Christian McCaffrey is today, can I look at him with any any def- definitiveness? Is that a word? I don't care. I'm going to go with it. Any definitiveness and say that he is going to be that guy who breaks the mold, who's mm-hmm. worth it beyond the window that most running backs are worth it. And I can't say that. He might be, but I can't say that with enough certainty to guarantee him the type of money that it's going to take to make him the highest paid running back. You look at what's going on with Todd Gurley, even Ezekiel Elliott, I think that there are signs that he's degrading and and regressing a little bit, and he just signed that deal. It just doesn't make sense, and I feel bad for those guys, but it doesn't make sense to pay running backs big money in the NFL in 2020. It just doesn't. I think if I can sign the contract right now in his age 24 season, so I get him for five years Mm -hmm. until he's 29, I'd sign it right now. I like that idea, too. If I have to sign him past age 29 and into age 30, I'm out. I don't want him past age 30 because that's usually when running backs tend to break down. But if I can have him up until age 29, when he's still probably going to be good, he's still going to be the dual threat guy that he is, he's he's such a different weapon than most of the other running backs in this league are. And he's been he's been durable throughout his entire career, playing all 16 games every season that he's been in the league. I would sign that contract if I don't have to go past age 30. I like the idea of extending him now. Uh, you just need to figure out what mindset the Panthers have. Are, you know, They're certainly in a rebuild. I think there's there's no denying that and figuring out what you're going to do with your quarterback and then who you're going to go after is one thing. But he was your offense. Like, literally, if you take him away, and that's not hyperbole, if you take him away, what do you have? So I'm for the – and he's 23 years old. He's durable. He's been tremendous these last three seasons. I say go for it. The other factor – for me, in, in saying I wouldn't, is that you just you just hired a new head coach and you, you gave him a seven year deal. True, you're, you're you may really a, like Christian McCaffrey, right. and and maybe that's the case. But at at the end of the day, you've given that guy some leeway. You've given him some leash to figure it out at the NFL level and put mm-hmm. together the team that he wants. 
there isn't a lot of pressure to win right now for the Carolina Panthers, and especially not for their head coach. So I'm not investing that type of money in a in a running back when my franchise is in that stage okay. of sort of rebuilding and kind of starting over. Can I throw a third question off that quote when sure. he said I would trade my son? Um is there a football player you would trade a family member for? <laughs> Probably not. I'll set no. this one out. No, I, I don't. I wouldn't. Or is there a family member who uh, you're not too fond of who you would trade for? I mean, we have what four minutes left on this segment. There's a lot of time. There's not a lot of time to get into that. Yeah, Jonathan, did you have you had a hot route, yeah. right? You, did you guys see over the weekend the rumored new Los Angeles Rams logo? I did, the wave. What is that? It reminds okay. me of the Tulane logo. It looks pretty terrible, and it almost looks like a Chargers logo. So my question off of this, and I'm showing you guys right now, it's essentially the words L.A. with a ram horn supposedly coming out of the And by the way, a. did you see that because of the social media reaction that they've scrapped that? Wow. They're, they're not going to use that. They've gone with the Sonic movie approach. Your voice has okay. been heard, yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, so what's the worst sports logo? Ooh. Hmm. Bringing this one on me—that's tough. Courtney, do you have one off the top of your head? I'm—I'm I'm gonna Google worst sports logos to see if I can. Because mine's easily the Jaguars right now. I don't like their logo. Ooh. I also don't like the rest of their look either. Yeah. I don't think they've had a good logo from the beginning. I think they should figure out a better way to make the Jaguar look—I don't know—more NFLish, more meaner. And they just haven't done a good job of it. You know the Tennessee Titans. I like That's the. I mean, I if if we're going to be football purist, I don't mind them bringing back if they ever want to do it. If Houston will ever let them do it, bringing back the Oilers logo and using that. But I'm sure there's reasons that they can't do that. I guess logos that I'm not like terribly fond of. Um, I mean, you already know my affinity for the Dolphins stuff. The Cincinnati Bengals B. Does not yeah. really do it for me. It's kind of weak. With like the little tiger stripes in it. I, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, Browns and their just helmet. They don't yeah, even have a logo. It's, yeah, it's kind of yeah. boring. It's just a helmet. It's fitting, though, for that organization. <laughs> There's not much there. <laughs> but the, I, think the, I think it's the Titans for me. You know, The Titans logo looks to me like... If you made a, a movie about football but didn't get NFL licensing rights yes. and you made up a logo it's or a uniform. Given Sunday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like one of those uniforms, like the replacements or something like that. Yeah, it's like the that. light blue and the dark blue where they mesh together. Like it just looks like a very cheap yeah. uniform. And the logo is like a yeah. sword. It's a mm-hmm. sword in the shape of a T. Like the whole thing is just, I don't know. I've never liked it's like that. Like the logo movies at all. that, it reminds me, it's like the movies that use state and tech. Yeah. Like Yeah, exactly. You can't pay for licensing yeah. rights for a school. Exactly. That's why that's why Tom that's the only reason that Tom Brady to the Titans to me doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's because I tried to picture him in that awful uniform. And, and you the, don't want to. The man is a fashion icon. You can't have him in that hideous uniform. You it don't want that uniform winning the Super Bowl next year? It doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. That face is too pretty for that uniform. I'll go ahead and say it. I'll be the one. Okay. Good hot rods, guys. Yeah, I like right this group effort. <laughs> you okay over there? I might have to use that for a drop. Thank I can't, you for that. I can't acknowledge the beauty of another you, you man can. without you losing it. I just didn't expect it. We're all adults here, man. I know. I know a good-looking man when I see one. You're looking at one. <laughs> what? No, I'm not.
All right, we'll go to a break. On the other side, we'll play a little game of, uh, what is this game called again, Courtney? I have it. Will Will he he stay stay or will he go? go? Right after this, it's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com, the Score North app. And we're also streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook, but you can't see Jonathan's beautiful face. Be there for the conclusion of the Fast and All Parallel 45 Winter Festival on Tuesday, March 17th for the 2020 Cross-Country Ski World Cup Sprint Finals featuring the best cross-country skiers in the world. For ticket information, please visit mnworldcup.com. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. You can join myself, Dan Terhar, Callum Williams, and Kendra D. St. Aubin this Sunday for Score North's coverage of the Minnesota United home opener as they take on the New York Red Bulls pregame at 5.30, kickoff at 6 p.m. right here on Score North and the free Score North mobile app. Joe Zolgad tweeting out just a little bit ago that Jose Barrios will start opening day for the Twins, according to Twins manager Rocco Baldelli. Also, we will replay Judd's, part of Judd's interview with Derek Falvey from Ventline this morning, coming up at about 4.10 on the Mackie and Judd with Rami Show in about half an hour time. That has been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. On Score North on 1500, uh, scorenorth.com, the Score North app, streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. I know this is a uh, a football show, but Jonathan, did you mention in the download what you told us during the break? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening intently to the whole thing. Yeah, that was from CBS Sports saying that there's a statement coming from the NCAA within the hour about the tournament, and it looks like from the Athletic, that statement has been that a 19 pan- or a advisory panel suggests that the tournament be played behind closed doors. So this with, this came out a couple of weeks ago at, at the recommendation. I was on air on a Sunday, yeah. and it was at the recommendation of the National Collegiate Players Association, whatever their whatever their version of the Players Association is, that they had put a recommendation in. So this was coming for at least two weeks. If this does end up panning out to be where the NCAA tournament is being played with no fans, um, I guess kind of a long time coming or at least you know as this thing has as yeah, a disease as the virus has picked up um we saw things about the warriors today that mm-hmm. they are going to have games at the chase center uh in san francisco where i believe um there have oh. been several cases not in san francisco but in santa clara county which is yep. south um they are not allowing like big public gatherings so i'm not surprised that the warriors uh warriors are playing behind closed doors yeah. tonight I'm looking at a uh, statement right now from NCAA President Mark Emmert. This is probably what people were anticipating coming down. The NCAA continues to assess the impact of COVID-19 in consultation with public health officials and our COVID-19 advisory panel. Based on their advice and my discussions with the NCAA Board of Governors, I have made the decision to conduct our upcoming championship events, including the Division I men's and women's basketball tournaments with only essential staff and limited family attendance. While I understand how disappointing this is, for all of fan, for all fans of our sports, my decision is based on the current understanding of how COVID nineteen is progressing in the United States. So there you have it: the uh, NCAA tournament, men's and women's tournaments, will be played uh, with basically nobody in the stands. That Only. came that came from the NCAA's official Twitter account. Yeah, that's a statement I'm reading from Mark Emmert, the uh, NCAA president. You know, I feel like all sports leagues, and we were talking about this off air with with baseball. What are they going to do? It's on TV and here right now. Should the NBA cancel or postpone games because of coronavirus? If one league takes sets precedent, I feel like every other one's going to follow, especially in the United States, because we saw this. What Serie A in Italy? Yep. They've mm-hmm. done that too. Well, and Italy closed down the closed entire, entire country. Yeah, and there's actually talks of just canceling the season. Yeah, and they have like two months left. It's wild. 
Mm-hmm. It's wild. I wonder, the thing that we're going to have to turn this conversation to next, because this isn't just a quarantine of two or three weeks and then the disease goes away, um, or I guess I should start calling it the virus. Um, it may very well, I mean, until they, I'm not a scientist, I'm not going to start projecting on that, but what does this do to the NFL season? You know? Yeah. Like, it could they, push they, everything they, back. what does this do to the draft? In Vegas, or is the draft going to be? I mean, that's such a fun event for fans to go to. I've and- already seen some saying that the draft could be moved from from Vegas and a a public forum into a studio of some sort, and not yeah. have the fanfare around it that that you're they used just to seeing. Polarizing time. No, I think they'd have the the actual draftees there, and you'd still have the pot. It would be like major. You know how Major League Baseball mm-hmm. does their draft. It basically right. just happens in a studio, sure. and you have the players who are being drafted. They're there. They're in attendance. They go up and shake the commissioner's hand. But the whole fanfare around it, I think, is is what is up in the air and kind of at st- in jeopardy right now. So, and I know that that we're talking about the NCAA tournament here, since they're saying that all of the games played because in a, w- a week's time we have the wrestling championships. At U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really interesting to see if that goes forth um, this year, considering how much of a contact sport that is, but also how many people they're anticipating coming out for that. That's something to watch, keep an eye on. Do we know with the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, are media considered part of, I mean, they're not essential personnel, but I mean, are they going, is this, do we know, does this affect media? I know in in the soccer world. not mentioned in the statement. In Europe where they've, play games behind closed doors, I think media is actually not allowed. I think it's literally just essential personnel for the team and the staff, and that's it. And media just stays home. Hmm. It's going to be weird to watch, yeah, man. It's, it's going to, weird. I'm kind of curious and intrigued by the game of basketball played with nobody in the stands and everything that we'll actually be able to hear and everything that the players will actually be able to hear. Because you're still going to have announcers right there at courtside yeah. commenting on the game and without... The crowd noise, those guys are going to hear more of that. Like, is Jeff Van Gundy going to start exchanging barbs with one of the players on the court? I'm actually, I'm kind of intrigued. It sucks. I'm not saying I'm going to enjoy it or like it, but it's it's different, and I'm intrigued by what the product will be like. How much will that change our enjoyment of sports and, and the way we watch it, not having anyone in the stands? I know you've heard a ton of guys, LeBron James included, who sort of, backtracked a little bit on his original statement that he's not playing in front of empty arenas. He mm-hmm. got a little more educated and informed on the subject and came back and backtracked on that a little bit. But a bunch of players have said, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. It's like a practice. Yeah. If you're not playing you, in front of fans. I think guys kind of need that to get ramped up. I mean, there right. is something they that the crowd that. brings and the energy. I'm curious now how many years it's going to take for the 30 for 30 to come out about what this looks like. Um, kind of like, you know, like the, the sports world isn't stopping, but this is unprecedented. We've never seen something like this before. If you postpone games, when do you bring them back? I think that's the big question is when do you feel that it's right to bring them back? I think that's probably the biggest question that all these sports leagues are facing is that, yeah, it's easy to say we're going to postpone our games because it's just a health risk. It makes sense to postpone your games, but when do you start right. bringing them back? When are we back? safe again? Yeah. Like if, if this is a safety measure, when when are we safe? Is it when they find a cure or or some kind of vaccine? Like when are we safe again to return to large gatherings? And that turns it back to the NFL because they have to be on the draft. They're starting to worry about OTAs starting up again, mm-hmm. uh, mini camp, things like that. But the preseason, and then you know, it, I find it very hard to believe that owners are going to want to play games without fans 
um, the the amount that brings that is brought in to sixteen or eight home games a year for every franchise. That's kind of crazy to think about in the playoff gate too. And I mean, I know that I'm thinking of this from a financial lens, but I'm also trying to be realistic about how the NFL operates. Um, how is this going to play out? And I mean, they're lucky. We're honestly, or the NFL's lucky that this isn't happening right in the middle of September. Yep. Um, where they're trying to scramble and figure it out. Like they're hoping that in the couple months it gets solved or at least mitigated to the point where you're not worrying about it and you're not having to cancel games or postpone games. Like how could you play a football game? I mean, that would be really, in really a stadium? weird. Like, be like, so think about odd. US Bank Stadium, how weird and the sound would be. Because there's a lot of essential personnel that come with on game day from from you know the the support staff and everything else that just God is eerie almost. It would be very the, eerie. The thought of the thought of that. The but, crunching of pads. Ugh. It'd be too. It'd be too crunchy. Like I like the crunching <laughs> of pads, but I needed that in loud. a little bit. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be too crunchy. But we said a lot of people in our industry said when they changed the media guidelines and how our access to locker rooms and how we interact with athletes. We all said the next step is them playing with no fans in the stands. And I think now, if you want to look what the next logical step is, if we don't get our arms wrapped around this thing, the next logical step is what we're talking about here, which is postponing games and pushing back seasons. We might have a break in the NBA season or in the Mm -hmm. NHL season. They might just stop playing these games for a period of time until we figure out just what is going on. And like I said, get our get our arms wrapped around this thing and at least Wild. know the risk and, and how widely it's spreading and how quickly it's spreading. So I wonder, too, and I know we have to get to um, the Willie Stay, Willie Go segment, but now that the NCAA is tournament, because they leave everything up to the conferences themselves, and we know that the Big Ten tournament starts, I believe, tomorrow or today, um, for men's basketball, like, is that going to be played in front of fans? Because I know certain conferences... Yeah, some conferences have already... have already said that yeah. they're not going to. I think... This statement from Mark Emmert says all upcoming championship events. So I think it's all the rest of the tournaments will now be played behind closed doors. If I'm reading it, correctly. does that does that mean conference tournaments though, or is that just yeah, NCAA tournaments? I think they're conference championship events. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Wow. If I'm reading it correctly, that's what it says. Well, any more developments? We'll have them here for you on uh, on Score North. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at four o'clock, and uh, we'll obviously be addressing this as well. But let's get into will he stay or will he go? Courtney has uh, compiled a list of Vikings players whose futures are up in the air due to their current contract situations, and we will try and decide will they stay or will they go. And we start with Anthony Harris. Let me just clarify. Are we saying from our standpoint, would they stay or will they go? Or are we predicting what the Vikings will do? I think predicting what the Vikings would do would be fair. I don't think there's much of a question with Anthony Harris. when you hear he's, how, the, he's the top free agent. That's right. why we're starting with When you him. hear how he's talking, when you hear how Mike Zimmer is talking at the Combine and saying that the safety position is not a top priority for this team this offseason, it's, it's all but a foregone conclusion in my mind, and I think in your mind, Courtney, that Anthony mm-hmm. Harris is, he will go. Yeah, and I, and I do believe that, I mean, what Zimmer said was that the safety position's not, you know, that's not always the most important. Mm-hmm. It, for the Vikings, sure, they, they need somebody on the back end there who does a lot, uh, especially when you look at the play of the cornerbacks last year, how much safety help really was provided by both Harris and Harrison Smith. Um, it's just not in terms of the most valued position in a defense versus a pass rusher versus a cornerback, things like that. I think that's more of what he was getting at, which leads you to believe, I mean, this kind of has been foreshadowed for weeks and, and the Vikings moving 
moving forward with free agency with the intent in mind that Anthony Harris might not be there is a very realistic way to think about this. Um, Think about it. He made just over $5 million a year or $5 million total in the first few years of his career. I mean, he was tendered last year. Um, it, I believe it was, it was the um, the right of first refusal tender because he was he went undrafted a couple of years ago and he's played to a level where he's probably one of the top safeties on the free agent market and good for him. But can the Vikings first off can they franchise tag him? They can, but it's going to be really expensive, almost like way too much because it'd be about a twelve million dollar tender for and it's a one year cap hit. Um, and this is a team that doesn't use the franchise tag that often. So as we go back to the beginning of the show, when I drafted in my in my draft sim, when I had Antoine Winfield Jr., that to me is your contingency plan right there, trying to find his immediate replacement through the draft. I don't think you need to go to free agency to get the next safety that's going to play opposite Harrison Smith. Because even as we saw with Anthony Harris, and, and he is deserving of a contract that Absolutely. could earn him in the 12 to $14 million a year range. I mean, he's worked his butt off. He's a great part of this of the fabric of the Vikings locker room. Um, he made the most of a great opportunity he had when Anderson Deho got hurt. How much do you um, think he's a product of Mike Zimmer and the system and playing next to Harrison next to Harrison. Smith? That's what a lot of people are going to argue. So I'm really curious to see what he does inevitably earn. If it is somewhere else, our team's going to try to come to him and say, well... We we know you're good. You led the league in in interceptions at your position with six, but how much of that is a product of who you're a future Hall of Famer and who you're playing next to? And maybe they try to financially work him down a figure there. But I think he is a twelve to fourteen million dollar a year player and is going to go somewhere else and get that money. And I agree with you. I just don't see how he fits into the plans. I like him a mm-hmm. lot as a player. I hear from people like you that he's a really good dude and mm-hmm. good presence in the locker room, but just the financials, it just doesn't add up. When you look at their salary cap situation, and like you said, the salary he's going to demand in the 12 to $14 million range, they have other more pressing needs and not a lot of salary cap space. So I don't, I just don't think that there's room for Anthony Harris. Next is uh, Trey Waynes. Will he stay or will he go, Courtney? Now, this is a tricky one to me because when you look at the makeup of the cornerback unit right now, You have two guys who are free agents, one who, as Bill Barnwell even alluded to, may become a free agent if Xavier Rhodes does get cut or if they decide to move on from him. Um, And then you've got a group of young guys. And I asked Mike Zimmer, do you, you know, what would that be like about, you know, basically anticipating having a whole new group of starters back there at cornerback? And he didn't go all in and say, well, it would be this. He kind of made, you know, paused, made it sound like, well, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but if it does, right. You'd, you'd be looking at a very young group. Given the situation with Mackenzie Alexander, and we can get to that, um, I think Trey is a priority. And I do believe that they can afford him if he's in the 12, 10 to $12 million range. It's more of a steal for him. Because, you know, cornerbacks, good starting caliber cornerbacks start in that range, and they can go upwards of $16 million a year. Does he want to reset the market? Is he aiming to get, you know, Marcus Peters signed the extension with Baltimore this, this, this last December, is he trying to break the bank there? Is he waiting to see what Jalen Ramsey's going to get uh, before he signs his big deal? Does he want to get in that 15 to $16 million range? As Bill said earlier, the cornerback group, this is a good, this is a great 
not a great group, but it's a good group, a really high quality group of corners who are about to hit the free agent market. Trey being one of the bigger names. Is it deep? Does that bring the price down a little bit? I don't know if it's as deep as it is top heavy. Okay. It kind of feels more top heavy and with some vested veterans in there, guys who have been around a while uh, that are going to be floating around. Which is why I think when you turn to Mackenzie Alexander's situation of will he stay or will he go, you can find a nickel on the market in free agency. Somebody who, if Mackenzie doesn't want to come back here because of how the injury situation was handled, uh, going into week 17 where he's playing in a meaningless game and, you know, Artie was dealing with a knee injury, showed up on the injury report, ends up having to have meniscus surgery. You know, to our knowledge, he's been cleared and he can go out and test the waters and try to be an outside corner somewhere else. So that feels like, and that's been what he said he wanted to do all along until he finally bought into the nickel position. So when I'm weighing Trey and McKenzie, I just don't think you want to lose both of them. You think one of them is back? I do think that you can work it out, but it's like, where are you getting the cap space from if Kirk's not creating, if Kirk's not helping you in that sense right, right. now by creating that? And I mean, to all the cap is... How much cap space do they have right roughly now? Roughly, it's like somewhere in the two, two, over the $2 million range right now. Which is nothing. Which is not a lot. But there are the people who say, oh, the salary cap doesn't matter. It's how much you have in cash. They can get creative. Don't get me wrong here. But they know that they've been handicapped before by free agency and the salary cap, much in part due to Kirk Cousins' contract. So, you know, how creative can they get? I guess it remains to be seen. But if I'm just looking at, like, a logical reason to keep one of the cornerbacks, I think the argument I laid out that you just don't want to start over with an entirely new unit. And if you're keeping one... In my mind, because he plays on the outside, mm-hmm. Trey Waynes is the more valuable guy to keep. Am I misreading that, or do you think Mackenzie Alexander brings as much to the table? I've always been of the notion that playing nickel is hard. I mean, it is obviously very, very hard. Finding somebody who can do it on a consistently good basis um, is difficult. And, you know, they had Captain Munnerlyn, they had uh, Terrence Newman, and they had Mackenzie, who really came on this year and looked pretty good at points. So finding that replacement on the free agent market, I think will be a priority because that may alter then like their draft strategy. Do they want to go cornerback at 25? Um, it certainly feels like that's an option to them. But as we saw in our mocks, saw how quickly those cornerbacks came off the board. What about Andrew Sandejo? And how does he factor into all this? We The first three guys we mentioned are defensive backs. Those three guys, I think, will they'll be in demand. Teams will be after them. Do you think that there's a market necessarily for Andrew Sandejo? Or could you maybe bring him in? play him next to Harrison Smith where he played for many years and maybe at a cheaper price than these other guys that we're talking about. And actually Mm -hmm. he performed pretty well when they brought him in after he was cut by the Eagles last season. Yeah. I mean, I think that he did well in, you know, he was kind of in that rotational role back there and he bought in. I mean, he is a Zimmer. He's, you know, been with Mike Zimmer for a number of years. He's definitely had, um, has the pedigree in this defense to know how to play multiple positions, as we mentioned earlier. Like, you know, when he's playing in the slot, which I believe was one of the first times that he's had to do that, or, you know, first time in a long time in New Orleans during the playoff game because they were down so many corners, that really helped this defense. Um, that's just another way to disguise coverages and, and give yourself the advantage of, you know, moving personnel around. He's a veteran guy. And I don't think that that ever hurts you, especially he's you know really well liked in that locker room. I mean, he is you know coming back here. I think was a huge career highlight. Is he chilled for him. out at all? Is he not trying to kill people anymore on the football field? Head hunting, you mean? Yeah. Um, I don't really. 
really know if he really had the opportunity to do that uh, much last year because he was kind of in that rotational role. Um, you know, it was really him and J. Ron Curse at times in, in different sub packages. Uh, he's still a very aggressive player, and he's going to play until the wheels fall off. So, but yeah, we're not. I mean, we didn't see any Mike Wallace style hits like what happened in you know 2017 at U.S. Bank Stadium. That was my introduction to it. Um, but yeah, no, I do think that there's reason to want to bring him back here because you don't, you wouldn't be paying. A, I mean, they didn't pick up his option last year because it was too pricey. They're not going to be going up in price to try to get him. Next, uh, and will he stay or will he go? We get to the defensive lineman and Everson Griffin. Will he stay or will he go? I think personally his best fit is here. I think the Vikings think that too. And in, in projecting out the next few years, which are probably the last few years of his career because he is going to be 33 this season. Um, and Mike Zimmer said at the Combine, that he anticipates him coming back. They expect him back. Now, will he try to at least feel what else is out there? Maybe. But I think at the end of the day, if you look at his track record, what he did last year, he had the chance to hit free agency when they were going to either restructure or cut him. And he agreed to take the pay cut. Um, And I think that that, you know, coming off um, the time he had away from the game, in 2018, uh, due to some mental health concerns mm-hmm. and you know taking time for himself, and then he comes back, he thrived. I mean, he he had moments last season where you know, I think it trailed off a little bit, but he's somebody who can still get you seven, eight sacks a year. When I saw that he opted out, I thought, well, he's gone because going back to what you just talked about, when he was at that crossroads and he had to mm-hmm. decide, do I restructure or do I let them cut me and try and see if I can do this somewhere else? For him, it made sense to stay in Minnesota in a, in a situation, in a system, and around people who he's familiar with and who he's succeeded around before. But I thought that you would you would negotiate that opt-out clause into the contract thinking, okay, I'll come back here for one more year in the best possible situation I could be in, and if I perform, it gives me the chance to opt out and go make money elsewhere. Again, yeah, hit it free was, agency. It was surprising to me when shortly after he was cut, both he and the Vikings were talking like it was a pretty good chance he'd come back at a lower price. I don't know why Everson Griffin would opt out only to come back at a lower Was he at the same was he at the same well, impasse this offseason? There was definitely this offseason there was a risk that he was going to get cut. Because his cap hit, there was no way that they were going to pay his cap hit at what it was at, like 12.9, I believe, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, they just couldn't afford that. So instead of getting cut, he took, he decided, you know, to put the voids in his contract, or to elect the voids in his contract. Sure. Uh, popular, contrary to like popular belief, it wasn't an automatically voided contract. He's one of two players in the NFL who had a player controlled void. So it was up to him to do. And I think it's a heads up move because he knew he was going to get cut if he didn't do that. Stephen Weatherly, will he stay or will he go? Courtney? Now, this is an interesting one because it's not talked about all that much. Um, I do think that Weatherly is self-aware enough that he knows that, you know, the level he played at last year, he's got to change a few things about his game. Um, and, you know, based on what happens with Everson Griffin, too, there's, uh, you know, do you do you if Everson ends up moving on and going somewhere in free agency? Well, what are you doing opposite Daniel Hunter at the other defensive end spot? Is it a rotation with Weatherly and Afadio Denable? Sure, but even if Griffin comes back, I think that there is a spot for Weatherly here somewhere. So he stays. I think he stays. All right, and lastly, before we wrap up the show, the special teamers Dan Bailey and Britton Colquitt. You know, do they stay or if do I'm they Mike go? Zimmer, I'm and I didn't talk about the kicking game much last year because I wasn't irritated with it. I think you prioritize keeping both of them. Yeah. And special teams was at least the kicking were, game was solid good. last year. They were yeah. solid. And yeah. Dan Bailey, 
I think he hit his last 23 or 24 um, field goals in a row to to start dating back to like the beginning of November. I mean, he's really good, and I think he's finally comfortable here. I mean, think about where the kicking unit was, the whole battery getting shaken up when they bring Corey Vedvik in in August and how much turmoil that caused Yep. Uh, to where they got it now and how quickly they were able to get that settled out. I think it's pretty good, and I think you should prioritize that. That's Courtney Cronin. Collar's back tomorrow. I'm Rami Makhlouf. I'll be back to Score North Live tomorrow. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next on 1500 scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.